0: It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at the Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter.
1: Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropical climbs. True currents and thriving
0: seas, wind blowing through breathing trees.
2: Strong goes on and safe sunshine will. Good planets are
0: hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Sand. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. streams, perfect there And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova.
3: Good planets are
2: in the main.
3: I thought we should take time to see the the grasshopper. We got the grasshopper. And good morning. The, and the spring beauty. Uh, good mm-hmm. morning. And to those listening on the podcast, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, I'm telling you, if you're <laughs> listening on the podcast, I appreciate it, first of all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but if you get a chance sometime, you should watch the live stream that we uh, put out on... YouTube on our YouTube channel please subscribe. I don't think I say that enough. You should we need we need more. Okay, I will say anybody watching for the first time today go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Now, if you're if you're streaming us right now at mikenovak.net, that's awesome. Uh, we like that cuz we like it when you go to the website as well because at the website you can read the blog post. Um, if you go to the homepage, you get to see the videos, but if you go <laughs> click on the blog, um, blogs. I, I do write about this and um I, I, I sweat uh blood uh putting uh, blo- uh blog posts together. So um, blood
2: on the keyboard when you're there done, is, right?
3: Absolutely, and they get sticky uh when you do that. Um, no. you know. And then when the blood mixes in with the uh with the whiskey, that's just a bad thing. Uh for the keyboard anyway, not so much for me.
2: Oh that uh, explains your blog. <laughs> it
3: should be. No. Um <laughs> Ew. But uh, I we hope you watch us on the stream, whether it's on YouTube or on our website, MikeNovac.net, or a, even a Schmetta book, uh, sometimes known as Facebook, and uh, and uh, Elon Musk's plaything, Twitter. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe, we're, maybe. We're, he's,
2: we're, he's still thinking about it. I,
3: I know, and I'm hoping he gives up because it's going to cost him billions and billions of dollars, Billions. Um, I have a feeling uh, that's not working out the way uh, he had anticipated. Because see, uh, <laughs> he sometimes he doesn't understand the market forces himself. I guess anyway. Uh, welcome to the show. It's it's kind of a a sad Sunday, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the what we've got going on in the rest of the world, which is bad enough. Uh, we lost Monty, the piping plover or plover. Depending on how I think I like plover because um, it rhymes with lover, you know, plovers are for lovers. uh, That slogan Mm -hmm. out there,
2: or if the t shirts had said Chicago is for plovers,
3: uh, exactly. So you have to say plover. Uh, But Monty left us uh, on Friday, and I don't mean that he decided to fly south back to Texas, new. Uh, more permanent but y you, you, you know you have to understand and we 'll talk about that uh, uh later on in in the show it 's interesting we had Bob Dolgan on last week. It would have been great to have him on this week uh to talk about that but uh um one thing you need to keep in mind about that um, in in a sense it 's all for the good it's this is the life cycle this is nature this is how nature works So the plumbers don 't don 't live much longer than about five years anyway. So this is probably right on schedule. Now it is possible now he was not eaten up by a uh, you know a predator.
2: No, it was actually people that witnessed it Friday afternoon.
3: I think there was only one or were there, were there more than one? Was there more than one person? It,
2: the re- first report I saw said there was a couple of the, the bird monitors
3: I thought there was only one, but then again, there might have been more than one bird monitored there at that time.
2: And this is it, and for people who don't know, this is Monty of Monty and Rose fame at Montrose Beach, Chicago's nesting um, Great Lakes plovers. Right. That we've had for the last three or four
3: years, and have been making headlines and that whole time. Uh, somebody wrote when I posted it on on Facebook. Somebody said, "Hey, you know, we need to 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 pay attention to all the other animals that need." our attention and that's true all yes. right we don't pay enough attention to animals that are treated cruelly and um, uh, and live out horrible lives on factory farms and that sort of thing but the point about Monty and Rose is that they opened the door to a lot of people to discover nature in the city in an urban area in a way that has not happened before and that's a good thing yeah. um so the
2: fact that the Chicago Tribune headline was Monty is dead. Yeah. You know, it was one I mean, name bird. And that makes the Chicago Tribune headlines.
3: Yeah. And uh, that's a good thing. So because now more people than ever are aware of those uh, birds and uh, that's going to continue, I think.
2: And each conservation and et cetera. Yes.
3: Right. All of the attending uh, issues. Uh, with those mm-hmm. birds, so yeah, while it's sad, um, it's just part of the plan, uh, and we'll find out why Monty died. They're they're doing an uh, an examination mm-hmm. of the bird, and we'll find out uh, exactly what the problem was. And um, it might have just been the end of his life, um, that mm-hmm. the lifespan. So we will talk about that later on today. But uh, to start, we're talking trees because we love to talk trees on the show. Thanks yeah. to our primary sponsor, Bartlett Tree Experts. (laughs) Wait, where's one? Okay. I can top that. All right. There you go. (laughs) As you can tell, we love, we love Bartlett and we love the folks uh, at Bartlett. And uh, we're going to start with a, a couple of folks we'll bring in in just a second. Um, and uh and get your tree questions ready you know it's been a weird Mm -hmm. spring aren't they all in certainly in chicago springs are are just
2: well this one was the the reluctant spring
3: yeah well we suddenly jumped on the trampoline we had two days of it although we're having it today and we had a little bit yesterday Yeah, so that's But it was this
2: reluctant a week and a half ago i was wearing fleece and boots you know right and we had last week the right, I mean, che- the checking mm-hmm. the
3: furnace to make sure it's going to kick on when it needs to—that's that ain't good. Um, uh, but uh, we'll have Megan Kisinski, um from Bartlett, and of course, our old buddy Skeet is going to be with us. Uh, Skeet, you might want to turn that camera on at some plate at some point. I'm watching in preview. There you go. Okay, we're going to get to you in just a second. I just want to be ready. Uh, and then uh, in the ten o'clock hour, we're talking to Tina Marie Hernandez. She's the executive director of Dive Heart and If that sounds familiar, it's because Mm -hmm. we play their public service announcements on this show. Uh, Life is an ocean. Yeah, that song, it becomes an earworm to you and it does to me. Yeah. Uh, We might play a a little bit of it. Uh, And they've got.
2: You you put up the link on YouTube. I watched the entire song, it's actually much longer.
3: It is. I know. I cut it down. Well, I can't I can't run a three minute song every time I want to do a public service (laughs) announcement. No, I cut it down to a minute so that we can fit it into the show uh, at a respectable time. Uh, But uh, Tina Marie Hernandez uh, is executive director and Dive Heart is doing uh, as having a documentary premiere this week on the 18th. so we're going to talk uh, all about that and, and how that happened, and we're going to show the film trailer, um, and uh, you might want to go. There are still tickets uh, uh, available to uh, the uh, premiere, and so I'm going to make you uh, hang around to find out how to get those tickets, although you you all know that if you go to my blog post, uh, you'll, you'll see all of that. Oh, okay, I'll tell you that it's Wednesday, uh, 6.30 p.m. at the Classic Cinema's Tivoli Theater, in Downers Grove, just saying. Illinois, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Kansas, Downers Grove, Kansas.
2: Well, not everybody listening.
3: Is in I a sharp know, area. but most of the people listening know Downers Grove. It's a suburb of, yes, you're right. It's a suburb of Chicago. So that will be Wednesday at six thirty, uh, and that information is on my blog post. And then uh, Peggy and I will talk about a few other environmental matters as we usually do on the show.
2: And talk about the plant behind Mike. Talk about
3: oh yeah, my poster
2: uh, behind you. Well, you we well, you got to wait till after ten thirty for all my
3: that. hippie astrum, which is about to bloom, um, otherwise known as an amaryllis. All right, so let's let's get to uh, our folks and Skeet. Yep, he's turned on his his camera uh there he is in the lower right that's our buddy skeet from bartlett tree experts but on the left is somebody who's not been on the show before and uh megan i'm gonna ask you
2: she has but not in person
3: no not in person you've seen megan megan i'm asking you to tilt down just a little bit more if you you can do that if you don't mind yeah everybody wants to show their ceilings i don't understand that uh it's just (laughs) it's a weird thing in in uh in fact i can even do that i can see i can tilt down a little bit here too
2: and, and and I can't except when we go to just the photo of the two of us, then you like
3: I know. Well they yeah, it we have to adjust every time we change the screens here, but that's that's showbiz. Uh Megan Kosinski um is also with Bartlett Tree Experts as Peggy alluded to. You've seen her if you uh watch this show because uh we play several of the Bartlett commercials uh that highlight you. Uh, you you're kind of a rock star when it comes to uh, Bartlett, um, and uh, Megan is an ISA, which stands for uh, International uh, Society of uh, Arborists. Uh, she's a certified arborist, certified tree care safety professional, a Pendel ISA board member. Now Pendel for those of you in the Midwest have no idea what Pendel it stands for Pennsylvania and Delaware uh, because she's out east, um, and an advocate for women in arboriculture, and I have to say something, Megan, uh, which you've probably noticed too, because I'm sure you write the word arboric- arboriculture or arboriculture, however you want to pronounce it, and uh, programs like Word and Facebook do not recognize it as a word they put the squiggly little red line under it. And i'm thinking come on are we in the 21st century or what you surely you should know what arboriculture is uh, have, have you noticed that too megan
4: i have i think a lot of the words that i write throughout my day uh are not registered high <laughs> by, by the normal dictionary i mean we start getting into the different diseases we write about yeah. phytophthora uh never never
2: picks up on
4: phytophthora
3: well i can almost you don't understand even it. try
2: to voice text on your phone forget voice texting i'm sure that just <laughs> would take uh, those words and yeah. mangle them so yeah, it does not
3: work yeah uh but that's okay i i don't forgive them but i i just say that those 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 folks should get up because i write the word arborist a lot and it gets the red squiggly line every single time. But uh, it doesn't matter because there are people who are arborists and some of them are women, uh, which, uh, you know, as I wrote on the, the Facebook post, we want to put an end to the phrase, let's get a tree guy to look at your tree. Well, how about a tree gal? Um, and uh, like uh, Megan Kosinski. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because you sent me, uh, some stuff, uh, uh, some some photos, and if you want to talk about tree gals, here you go. Here's uh, here's a bunch of them, um, including you. Where was that taken, Megan?
4: Um, so this was at the Women in Arboriculture Conference that Bartlett was putting on. Uh, we've paused it since the pandemic, but previously the company annually was bringing all of the women from grounds person, arborist climbers, arborist crew leaders, uh, arborist representatives, all of the women that work in the diagnostic labs, our PhD staff, and bringing all of us together for a couple of days of uh, some training, some learning, some networking. And it was, it was a really cool conference. So we switched over to Zoom calls the past couple of years, trying to trying to keep that community together. But that was the last time that we were down at the research lab in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, it was it was a great week.
3: It is a gr- a great place to go. Uh, Peggy and I have uh, been fortunate enough to go down to the research lab. Um, I, I wouldn't mind going again. Uh, uh, <laughs> it I, although I ha- I haven't flown in uh, a number of years that's, right now. That's
2: I think that's the last time I flew. Was that trip?
3: I think that might have been the last time that I is. flew as well. 2019. Yeah. yeah. So uh, now we should turn to Skeet because, Skeet, uh, you and Megan, uh, we, I have to, uh, you know, full disclosure, Skeet is the one who set this up. He said, you got to have Megan on the show. <laughs> it's because you guys know each other. You guys have, have worked together.
5: Yes. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate to to work with Megan. Uh, it's been a, a fun um, mentor, mentee, both sides. As you said, your old buddy skeet. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Getting older by the day too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trying to put the hat on to cut down on the glare of the bald head. So, uh, thank you. Yes. Me- Megan is, uh, has been, uh, very helpful to me and, uh, and, and her, her energy and, and what she brings and, uh, her patience with me as the old guy trying to learn the computer, and um, her patience has been uh, very, very appreciated. And and uh, and and I can help her um, as as it's been a, a fun seeing where where Megan, when I first met, was in school, and now is an arborist rep. Um, boy, boy, I mean, she's just doing some great things in a short amount of time, and really focusing on, on people and the love for trees and, and taking care of trees. Uh, and, and so she, she brings me a lot of energy, too. So, um, yes, it, it's been a, a, a fun uh, relationship to, to teammates growing together, you know, working, working within the same company. And um, as Megan said, it's a lot of Zoom calls. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of emails back and forth. And and
3: comparing uh, uh, issues that uh, you find in yeah. your parts of the country, and we're in different parts of the country. Uh, uh, Skeet is out of the Bolingbrook office of Bartlett, uh, a suburb of, uh, I was going to say Detroit. Where did that come from? That's my old past, <laughs> like my brain misfiring. I'm from Detroit, so just so you know, it's a, a suburb of Chicago. Uh, and uh, Megan, which office are you out of? Um, so I
4: was in the Ballack-Kinwood, Pennsylvania office, which is right outside of Philadelphia, and just recently transferred uh, about two months ago up to the Guilford, Connecticut office. Uh, so working back on the shoreline.
3: Okay, and 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 and, and I think folks have, uh, here in Chicago, I I still have a hard time, and I and I understand the geography of the East, but the states are all so close together that you travel a lot uh, between. The various states and and you say you were working in pennsylvania uh you work in delaware you work in connecticut you uh, you're from connecticut so i imagine it's it's nice to be back in your home state
4: yeah yeah back uh, nice and close to my parents which they love
3: uh, um, of course they'll get over it
4: <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean from philadelphia to where i am now is about three and a half hours so uh, it's definitely a doable distance to kind of go back and forth, but the changes that we see in plants can still be a lot different, uh, mm-hmm. even though the east coast does feel really close together.
3: That's a really good point. I want to get into that uh, in a second, just how yeah. uh, plants can change over this course of a few miles. Um, yeah, and,
2: and as you, as Megan mentioned, by the shore versus inland,
3: right? Mm-hmm. That makes a huge yeah. difference too, doesn't it, Megan?
2: Yeah a lot of salt damage
4: that we deal with (laughs) Uh, Ah. long Island sound. And um, you know, once you start getting up into Cape Cod, which uh, has a lot of islands off the coast, then you get a lot of that Cape winds too. So um, each area can be really different as you move through new England, which makes it exciting and challenging as an arborist to try to mitigate new issues on a daily basis because um, everything's constantly changing it feels like around
3: here you know that's that's really interesting it's not something we think about in the midwest when we think of salt damage in the midwest it's from sidewalks and streets basically um but in the uh, along the ocean it can be from uh i i guess wind blowing surf inland uh and affecting the trees mm-hmm. that rate uh right megan
4: yeah, and we have both. So if we do have a heavy winter, we're going to see a lot of the salt damage yeah. along the road, along the edges of driveways. But if you do have a house that's right on the water, and you've got these high winds coming off, get some hurricanes during uh, the late summer, um, no it can cause a lot of damage to to the foliage.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, okay, question, you know, and I was going to get into uh, how you got going in this, but we're on the salt question, and I know it's the wrong season to talk about this because in the Midwest, we're not going to have to worry about this for another nine months. Um, But um, in the East and and in the Midwest, what do you tell people about salt damage to trees? Is there a way to mitigate the salt damage to a tree? Uh, Megan, let's start with you
4: um not really i mean we can definitely control how much salt is getting into the root system and we have programs that can help um, flush the salt out of the soil so kind of drop those sodium levels but when you get it coming onto the foliage it makes for uh, quite a challenge so in a lot of cases and like we talked about this a couple days ago right tree right place we need to look towards plant material that's going to be hardy against salt damage um, and kind of build up a barrier or have some plant material that is tolerant to some salt spray, put those in areas that's gonna see those winds coming off. And then we can start getting to more uh, other ornamentals in areas that are maybe protected by the house a bit, a um, little bit further past uh, where that property line meets the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but right alongside, we need to think about what plant material we're putting there and if it's going to be successful in that area.
3: Uh, And Skeet, uh, I would ask you uh, the same question. What do you tell people about salt damage?
5: Well, you know, it's interesting, Mike. You know, as you said, it's something we don't have to uh, worry about for a few months, and yet we're seeing the results of it now.
6: Mm -hmm. So...
5: We, we really do need to worry about it sooner than later, so we can try some preventative treatments and and think about the right tree in the right spot, as Megan was speaking about, uh, and also what we can do for restoration of that area prior to winter, or is just a, just just an area that that's uh, a no plant zone. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to uh, to to put the, a plant in that area, so it's something we work with and are challenged with 12 months of the year Um, as much as plants and trees are great i mean there there's some senior centers and there's some places where just mobility and access is critical Uh, Uh, give me give me an example where you would tell somebody not to put a tree um (laughs) the um (laughs) well um sarcastically we sometimes say those parking lot <laughs> dead islands those dead yeah right
2: in the middle of a parking lot
5: <laughs> yeah um those those are just uh something that that uh looks pretty when they're first put in and it's a slow painful death for the trees and it's just a real bummer and and then trying to put a new tree back in there just may not make sense uh, we we're fortunate to have many clients that are um, senior housing and uh Rehabilitation areas and uh, those front entrances need to be clear and and available and and um, and and that's just a heavy salt zone area, so those Ah. areas just to just you know let's let's not even uh, think about that or uh, you know that that's uh, some alternatives.
2: So Skeet Megan, I was going to ask how it's May. Leaves are starting to come out. How can we tell if we have salt damage on our trees?
3: Or, or I would say any other kind of winter damage. We're, you know, yeah. we're at the point where...
2: What are we seeing now that's, that says winter damage? Uh, well,
4: one way to kind of get a jump start on everything is to take a soil sample early in the season and start to see if there are any changes in pH or if there's high sodium levels. <laughs> Um, from any sort of salt runoff. So that's a really good starting point. Try to get a baseline for what you're working with in the season.
3: Uh, you know, I, uh, one of the things that I've heard people talk about in skeet, I'm sure you've seen this. I don't know, Mega, if you've encountered this, you get a slow spring um, and maybe it's cool. Uh, and, and, and who knows what else? Um,
2: oh, like Chicago.
3: Yeah. Like Chicago. And there are people who say, Oh, that tree is dead. So I'm going to cut it down because it hasn't leafed out or that shrub is dead. I'm taking it out. Um, and they just don't give it enough time. I uh, have
5: Skeet. I'm sure you've seen that before. We see it on a regular basis. It's, it's a frustration. It's a bummer. And, um, patience, young Jedi. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to leaf out. Um, we have a, a beech tree in our yard, and uh, we have a beech tree at our office, and they're gonna be one the last to leaf out. The ash trees now are slowly pushing out. Um, mm-hmm. Not all trees are gonna push out at the same rate and push new leaves. Uh, and, and that's just, again, having a certified arborist as part of your green team, along with a landscaper, homeowner, boards, um, maintenance teams, having that uh, certified arborist along with, that's going to, you know, be your source of uh, a resource to help you.
3: Have you seen this as well, Megan? Yeah.
5: Yeah,
4: absolutely. Um...
3: <laughs> well, um, I don't know. You, would want you, want to
2: elaborate more. you know, how, how do you talk to a homeowner who's, how, how do you <clears throat> educate a homeowner on, having the patience for the tree through the different seasons?
4: Um, I think it's really good to build trust with your clients when you're on their property often, or if you're meeting with a new client. I met with a new client on Friday who said that their tree was dead and they wanted to take it down, it was a honey locust, just hadn't pushed out yet. And so just kind of walking them through what to expect uh, with that tree, and especially new homeowners coming onto properties don't know what to expect season by season. So talking them through the stages of what they should be looking for and what could be an abnormal sign of stress or decline versus, you know, what's normal for that plant per each season. We've definitely had a weird spring across the country. So I think as people are looking at their properties, everyone's home about a lot more now. uh, They're starting to kind of notice some changes and and see what's abnormal and see what's not. So yeah. um, just kind of walking them through what to expect as as our climate progresses.
2: And just because it always did this for the last three years doesn't mean it's going to do the same thing this year.
4: Yeah. Yeah, everything's going to change uh, very often, especially mm-hmm. right now. I think with all the storms that we're seeing, especially on the East Coast, all the climate fluctuations, I know you guys just went through a nice heat wave to, to warm up your spring. Uh, so mm. all these unexpected changes, we might not see the trees react immediately. It might take some time. Like, you know, Skeet was saying with salt damage, we're going to see those damages now. and We need to prepare for the winter, not, uh, not the other way around.
3: So you didn't see this, uh, you didn't have the same heat uh, out east that we had here in the central part of the country.
4: No, it's warming up here in Connecticut. Uh, we've been dealing with a lot of fog the past couple of days. So just kind of this gray mist has been hovering over, um, waiting for the sun to come out. I hope it comes out today. It's supposed to help my dad get the boat in the water. So ah. <laughs> with, with sunny skies. Yeah. Uh,
3: uh, so, uh, Skeet, we've got a couple of minutes here be- before we need to break. So what, what are you telling folks uh, who uh, experienced this, uh, kind of wet, cool spring. And then suddenly we get blasted with five days of, uh, well, four days of 90 degree temperatures or close to 90 degree temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, and, and dryness sudden, I mean, can, uh, Peggy and I were talking about how we looked in our yard and we saw places where the soil started to crack already. And that seems nuts because
5: all we got was rain for three several, or four inches
2: of rain. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I I was more concerned about our crews than I were about the trees. When you work outside all the time and your body goes through a fluctuation of 40 degrees and, you know, as Peggy was talking about with flannels and boots and we're talking about possible hypothermia uh, and and just working with teammates and and these are people outside working. And, And so we go from 40 degree weather up to that 95 degree weather. So we go from training for hypothermia to boy, make sure we have enough water out there. We have ice yeah, and, and uh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
5: you know, so, so, um, trees are important. That's what we love to do. We're scientific tree care and we have uh, fantastic crews that are out there doing the work. So it was first taking yeah. care of our crews to make sure they were safe safety above all else is our standard for practice. And then, um, as far as the trees go, we're gonna see some brown margins. We're gonna see some deformed leaves. We're gonna see um, some trees pushing out quicker than others. Uh, and, and we're gonna get some rain hopefully this afternoon. We're gonna get rain next week. So the, the trees should be fine. Um, you know, I sent yeah. you some pictures of some annuals and perennials uh, that uh, I have wilted real quickly. Um, and they need water on a more consistent basis. So I'm 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 not as concerned about the trees. Um, that's our wonderful home in our backyard, and, and those are your like, your your wilting <laughs> pansies. Yeah. On, okay, you did yeah.
2: flowers,
3: right? Oh, here's and here's even a, here's a better shot. Look at this! Yikes!
5: Yeah. <laughs> yes, and hopefully, lovely Laura, my wife, is not watching because my phone will be beeping real quick. Well, wait a second.
3: You can, what you can say to her is, oh, look, honey, I yeah. added some water, and they perked right back up.
5: Well, actually, she added the water. Oh,
3: um, yeah, and she, and and very she diligent took about
5: photos this.
2: of the drew plants while she added the water, yes.
5: Yes, yes. So, um, you, know, you know, we're having fun here, and that's not any special Bartlett fertilizer, and that's not any, <laughs> uh, you know, stimulators or... Uh, you know that that's called water. I mean, we don't have to use okay. chemicals. We don't have to get crazy um, yeah. with the right plant in the right spot and being properly taken care of. Good things can happen. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, but
3: but you know, with yeah. with, with with trees, um, I and I shrub. don't and, and shrubs. Well, I was going to say trees. Though uh, four days of dryness is not going to be. Uh, it's not going to affect a tree as much. As it might uh, an annual, as you saw there, Correct. or even or even a perennial, because the, when you when you're dealing with trees, you're dealing with the longer stretch of time, sometimes and years. They have more re-
5: yeah. yeah, more reserves, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
3: All right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I like that idea that you just brought up, Skeet, about how you have to pay attention to your crews and and what they're going through. We'll talk a little bit about that because Megan, I know you've worked with with different crews as well, and I want to talk about uh where women fit into this Mm -hmm. and 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 your training and and what you learned as you uh came up through the ranks uh it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we're talking to megan kosinski and skeet from bartlett tree experts and we'll return in just a couple of minutes
5: i was pretty well considered an outlier and nuts and today, the nursery with the kids and everybody involved is still considered groundbreaking in the sense that we do it just different.
2: Over in a Possibility Place in 1978,
5: by 1982, we were strictly into natives and have been ever since.
6: A possibility Place Nursery grows more trees, shrubs and perennials than I can count. Several hundred species, from large shade trees to very small perennial plants. There is a native plant for every place in your yard, from trees to shrubs to flowers and grasses. They flower just as pretty, they flower on time. They bring in butterflies. They make the yard more dynamic. And every time you do a planting, it is an opportunity to add a native or to integrate a native into your landscape and make it richer.
3: From spring seed and soil treatments to summer foliar feeding to fall stubble digesters, Blazing Star provides microbial tools from tinyo biologicals for natural and organic farmers. They have solutions for home gardeners, too. And Blazing Star also offers agroecological education and consulting, especially for permaculture work in Zones 4 and 5. Learn more about these great folks and great techniques at blazing-star.com.
1: There was once a land where the weather was very, very strange. There were awful heat waves in some parts, and in others, terrible storms and floods. Scientists said it was being caused by too much CO2, which went up into the sky when the grown-ups used energy. They said the CO2 was getting dangerous. Its effects were happening faster than they had thought. Some places could even disappear under the sea, and it was the children of the land who'd have to live with the horrible consequences the grown-ups realised they had to do something. They discovered that over 40% of the CO2 was coming from ordinary, everyday things like keeping houses warm and driving cars, which meant if they made less CO2, maybe they could save the land for the
6: children. Is there a happy ending? It's up to us how the story ends. See what you can do. Search online for Act on CO2.
3: Well, I'm sure glad my dad didn't read that to me at night. Uh, I I wouldn't have ever mm-hmm. slept. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, although it's important um, yeah. uh, to yep. uh, let kids know what's going on in the real world. Uh, we're talking to, and, uh, yes, Peggy.
2: No, go ahead. I, I, I'm, nope. I'm, I'm one sentence ahead of you. I was going to say to everyone who's watching, um, please post your tree questions and your shrub questions for Megan and Skeet, and we'll try to get to them
3: um uh, absolutely uh but i want to get back to uh something that uh, skeet uh brought up which is uh the cruise that uh uh are uh, on the uh, the bartlett the, the tree cruise. Not,
2: the, not the big boat the tree cruise
3: uh, what the, You oh,
2: said the cruise and the I'm cruise like, well on a cruise? Whoa, I do, a okay
3: yeah. all right if anybody's going in that direction fine see ya go have your go have a cruise um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so the CREWS, uh, at, uh, not just Bartley, but any tree care company, um,
2: uh, or landscaping crews. Yeah.
3: Uh, right. Uh, it's, it's important that, uh, you can't make your trees healthy if the people who are working on them are not healthy themselves. Um, and, uh, Megan, you're nodding. So what, what kind of training do you have? How do you look out for, uh, each, uh, other's backs?
4: Uh, a lot goes into it. You know, Bartlett is so great in that they provide a really good safety structure for us to kind of follow. So um, we have our daily safety meetings, we have meetings with our individual crews on each job site. Uh, on a monthly basis, we go over uh, a special topic. So um, whether it's slips, trips, and falls or proper lifting procedures, we go through a little bit more in depth uh, training quizzes. Um, We have our local office safety coordinators that help keep us on track as well. And then a lot with the individual reps and the crews, just keeping an eye on one another, you know, active, caring, looking out for each other. Um, And each day changes so much in what we do, every project that we work on, every condition that we work in. So having those daily and throughout the day frequent check-ins is really important for the way that we look after each other.
3: Yeah. Let me uh, pop this up. Uh, is that you, by any chance? That is me.
4: Yeah, that was in, <laughs> when I was working in Uh I had a great crew to teach me and a good group of photographers as well. So they've captured so some shots.
2: I was going to say when you were when you were growing up, did you climb trees? Were you, you know. Climbing trees or climbing rocks or things like that, or was this new when you got into arbor culture and started working for Bartlett in college?
4: This is a new thing, yeah. So, growing up, um, I grew up with an older brother and uh, did not run around in the dirt, was not the kid that was, you know, pulling worms out and climbing around trees uh, like I do now. So, it's been quite a change and it's been really fun to explore a a totally different side of of the world and be able to appreciate trees the way that i can now
3: and and even though this looks uh a little harrowing i mean it doesn't look it looks like you're just standing on that branch without any um uh protection there any any harnessing uh but you are indeed um protected up there are you not
4: Yes, absolutely. I have my saddle on, which attaches to my hips and my legs, um, connects to a rope that is around a strong union point in the tree. And Mm -hmm. most of my weight is going to go into that union point. Um, It looks so delicate and balanced, one, because it's a picture, but two, because I don't have that much weight in the branch. Most of my weight is in my climbing system. Um, we don't want to add stress to the branches that we're climbing on. You uh, start no. to get into some of the, the smaller branches and you you might crack a few. So we keep all of our weight uh in our system as much as possible.
3: Um okay. What what <laughs> what are we looking at here?
4: This uh this is us practicing aerial rescue. So we we're kind of talking about the safety programs that we have at Bartlett. Uh one that we practice frequently is aerial rescue. So uh, if something were to go wrong in a tree, we want to know that we're confident in our ability to ascend the tree, secure the person that may have suffered an injury, and safely lower them to the ground. So this is my crew leader. Uh, he's now the division trainer of our Mid-Atlantic area. So he travels around to crews and um, does a lot of training like this. And so we were practicing here on how to safe, how I could safely lower him to the ground while we were practicing climbing in a tree.
3: As an arborist representative in year one, uh, uh, do you still go up in the trees? I know that, Skeet, uh, uh, you've you've been grounded. Yeah, you pretty much stopped doing that a while ago. Probably a a good thing, Uh, unless you really want to. Uh, But, uh, Megan, are you still uh, climbing trees? Your mic's off, Skeet.
5: Thank you, Peggy. I'd I'd be the victim for Megan to uh, practice aerial rescue. (laughs) Yes, so uh, I I, I like Megan's point of view. I've been grounded. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I think it's probably because uh,
3: you're you're pretty good at uh, organizing your cruise, Skeet. So uh, it's uh, your services are 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 much more needed on the ground. Uh, But I wanted to ask Megan: Are you still going up there? Do you still uh, climb uh, much?
4: Not as not as much as I'd like to. Um, I miss it a lot, having transitioned out of production a couple years ago. But I do try to stay involved on the weekends when the weather gets nice, um, especially in my old office in Valley Canwood, we would set up uh, recreational climbs, rec climbs, so mm-hmm. a couple of us would get together on a weekend and swing around for a couple of hours, go to lunch. And right now I'm in the process of setting up a women's climb one weekend coming up this season. Mm-hmm. Try to get the women in my new area in Connecticut, uh, parts of Massachusetts, and maybe back down to some of my old offices together just to kind of network, practice some climbing techniques, uh, learn from each other a little bit more. So um, that's one thing that I'll do, but
2: not on a regular basis, unfortunately. So for someone who who's in college or maybe out of college or transitioning careers and wants to become you know, a, a production person. What's what's the process? I mean, you do you know you need to know these skills. You just show up, and and there's a they teach you. How does it how does it work? Like you said, you didn't have that background.
4: Yeah, I uh, I started in college with climbing. I had a professor that pushed me into his climbing lab, just three hours a week that we'd learn how to climb. And the following season, the following semester, I tried a production chainsaw class. So I learned how to use a chainsaw. But what I love about Bartlett and what I love about this industry is that you don't need to have a formal college education. You don't need to have formal training to start getting involved with the industry. Uh, Especially at Bartlett, we have so many training programs in place that walk you through each step of what you need to learn as you progress. So you start at the bottom and and you work your way up. Um, So you know, a lot of the times if we're doing interviews with, with new employees, what we're looking for is the willingness to learn and, you know, being able to, to put in some hard work and want to progress your career, because that's really all you need to become a successful arborist.
3: Uh, and we did say that this, this program is about women in arboriculture. So what do you find different? What's challenging about that? Um, I... I imagine there are, and you mentioned it in one of the, the spots that we run on this show, that there are still barriers. Uh, what do you, and, and I know that Bartlett is encouraging to have you do that, but I'll bet you still run into people who look at you askance and they say, well, where's the tree guy? Um, have, have you had that happen? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I have run into that. I, I think sometimes. To being a young arborist and taking over for a more tenured arborist can also play a role in sure. um, a profession. So sometimes it's it's difficult to kind of differentiate, you know, when someone asks for your credentials or, or um, you know, what your background is in education. Sometimes that's just being a young arborist as well. But yeah, I mean, the barriers that I've faced and that I know other women have faced are definitely dwindling. As time goes on and I think that's really important to note Um, a lot of the women that were in the industry 30 40 years ago have paved the way for my generation of arborists and the next generation to come Um, which you know is really cool
3: yeah speaking of really cool uh, not everyone has a pink chainsaw Uh, this is your Husqvarna um, and, uh, you, it's kind of legendary among, oh no, wait a second. Let's go back here. Look who's, ah, ah you've got, you've got your, your visual, visual aid there. So let me go in on, on that here. Um, show us your, uh, your chainsaw there.
4: Yeah, this is my pink chainsaw. I got to switch the bar out some of the bar on it. And it's definitely not as pretty as the picture anymore from when I first got it. <laughs> Definitely put some work into it. Um, my cousin got this for me when I first started at Bartlett. He works at the research lab in Charlotte. And when I came aboard, he tracked down a pink chainsaw. And uh, this is my ground saw for most of the time that I worked in production. And I absolutely loved it. The crews loved it. I have now gotten into the habit of keeping it under lock and key so that uh, none of the other crews take it out. It's it's a favorite saw of <laughs> The women and the the tree guys that are why
3: is there. that why is that
4: um you know it has you can put an 18 or a 20 inch bar on it which is a pretty good length for just moving through basic groundwork um, so if you're doing a, a medium to large size removal and um, this is pretty good to use i think it's really well balanced as well so when you get the bar on there and the motors in the back this is obviously where most of the weight is, but, uh, having a bar on there kind of balances it. Uh, it was just really easy to use. And, uh, it was, it was a great saw. <laughs> uh, and there,
3: and there you are. Okay. The first question I have to ask when I saw this is that why are you cutting a mature tree? What, what was the story behind this?
4: Um, that, oh uh, gosh, I don't totally remember. I know I was working for my manager, Tom, um, I think it was in decline. This is okay. probably about four years ago at this point, so I uh, I can't remember everyone, but yeah, uh, no. it was hanging over a roadway. I think too, kind of in a in a bad location.
3: Well, yeah, you, you mentioned right tree, right place, and part of the thing is uh, is putting trees where they're not going to cause oh. uh, damage to uh, individuals. Uh, and here's a uh, job well done. There, I see you don't you don't have the pink. Um, chainsaw there.
4: No, no, sometimes you gotta bump up. I actually have a very difficult time holding that one, but managed yeah. to get it on its side. That's actually at the very really long Arboretum.
2: bar on that one.
4: Yeah, so that picture is from the National Arboretum uh, in Washington, D.C., and that tree was uh, dead, so we had to take it down. As you know, it's a really uh, populated area public area. So, um, want to make sure that we have all the safety hazards down around there.
3: And this, this looks like it's staged. Okay. I mean, that's not real dirt on your face. Is it you get, you use makeup for that, right?
4: No, it's, it's not even dirt. It's actually pollen from a cherry tree.
3: Oh my! So this was early
4: spring and the branches were just absolutely covered in pollen. Um, and just got all over my face. That's that's one of my favorite pictures. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously you had safety goggles on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're in my hand. Just took it off. For, yeah, uh, nice point. Point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: You're being photo bombed by the guy behind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yes. yeah, <My> uh, crew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is, this is how they uh, show their respect for you by photo bombing you from, from behind. Uh, all right. I'm going to ask a quick question um, of both Megan and Skeet about chainsaws. Um, cause we don't talk about that a lot, a lot, on the show, but, uh, you know, individuals, homeowners, they, w- they want the power, they want to have their, their chainsaw. What is the first thing you would tell them? Um, Skeet, let's start with you. What's the first thing you're going to tell somebody who decides they must have a chainsaw and they must use it on their property?
5: Well, I'm, I'm going to back up and say the, the, probably number one reason people want to use Megan's chainsaw is because she. Took care of it so well, and it was sharp, and it was easy to start and ready to go. So uh, <laughs> that, that's number True. one. And then, um, if you know, there's so many classes out there. Uh, you know, we, we talked about arboriculture. juliet Junior College has a has a great program for uh, to be a to be an arborist in arboricultural classes. Uh, uh, you know, we we can tell you all kinds of scary stories about what chainsaws can do, and and uh, they they are a very dangerous tool without the proper training, and it, you need to be properly trained. Um, it does scare me to see chainsaws on a shelf, and people go home take them home. You know, maybe read a direction, maybe not, and use them. Um, proper training is critical, uh, and, I, and I know there's there's some chainsaw dealers out there um, that have training that goes with buying a chainsaw. And and if if you're not trained in it, don't do it. All right, Megan,
3: what would you say?
4: I would probably start with, are you sure you want to do this by yourself? (laughs) Uh, But I stress the proper PPE if a homeowner is going to do it. You know, chainsaw chaps, chainsaw pants, eye protection, hearing protection, and a helmet. Um, And then just talking about it is a dangerous piece of equipment that we use. And you need to know a lot about it in order to respect it and use it properly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough seeing a lot of the injuries that happen in the industry. Um, I think it can put a bad name uh, on the industry being so dangerous because of how many accidents can happen with, with untrained people using this type of equipment. But just kind of giving a couple warnings and making sure that they're gonna have some protective measures in place before they start using that equipment.
3: Okay, and speaking of chainsaws and crews, C-R-E-W-S, do you remember where this uh, photo was taken?
4: Yeah, that's at our office.
3: Whoa, we lost you. We lost your audio all of a sudden.
4: Um, This is at our office in Ballakinwood and this was a chainsaw skills training, so a couple of months after I started, we got a group of newer employees together, brought some logs back to the office and practiced you know making notches, making bore cuts, making back cuts, um, learning those skills in uh you know not on a property, so we could start to practice mm-hmm. them and and hone those skills before we took them uh into different circumstances
3: yeah and uh uh you 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 send a lot of photos where there's a lot of people, um, and it, it's good to know that there are so many people behind the scenes who are helping to keep your trees healthy.
4: Yeah, we have some pretty incredible crews at Bartlett, and uh, a lot of them have become close friends, have are mentors, mentees. So uh, you know we've got Buddy study in the corner there, hanging out at the party, the little dog. <laughs> Um, so we've, we've got some really incredible people at this company.
3: And one more of uh, uh, the women of Bartlett. I like this. I like the attitude. <laughs> Stay away from the orange cones. Uh, uh, Skeet, you sent me that one.
5: Uh, that, that came from uh, Constance out in Colorado. Huge kudos to Constance and, and her team. Um, they are um, they're, they're, they're knocking it out out there. They're doing a fantastic job. Um, and in in Constance, um, again, is is another mentor mentee. Um, just just having some great teammates all around the nation. I mean, Bartlett has over 150 offices throughout the United States. It's an international company, uh, also in Canada, Ireland, England, and uh, Constance is part of the Women in Arbor culture team, uh, mm-hmm. and and just uh, just. I mean, Constance has helped me tremendously. Um, and again, her team is, is just really making a difference out in Colorado.
3: And uh, of course this is at the, uh, the research labs in North, uh, Carolina, right?
4: Yeah, that's, uh, uh, I think the first women's meeting that we ever did.
3: Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, before we run out of time here, Skeet sent me some stuff that I, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that, um, you, you all should – yes, Peggy, were you going to jump oh, in I was going to say,
2: and if we've got time to just uh, talk about a couple of spring tree things, too. But uh,
3: but to uh, the first is volcano mulching, and we I don't know why we have to say this every single show.
2: Wow. Uh, That's but beyond volcano mulching.
3: I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, it says, instead of saying harmful, it should say tragic, I think, uh, uh, where those are. It almost doesn't look real. Can somebody be that dumb uh, to put the the volcano mulching like that? But uh, please don't pile the mulch up against the tree. Um, And uh, Megan, why don't folks want to pile their mulch up against the tree?
4: It can cause a ton of different uh, root and stem issues. Uh, pile a lot of mulch there it's going to trap moisture it's also uh, going to encourage a lot of trees to grow their roots around their trunks and create girdling roots which can kill a tree long term so it is not a good idea we want to see that area where the trunk meets the root system we call that the root flare and that should be what's visible right before the roots start in the ground
3: right if you can't see the tree flaring out at the bottom it's too deep uh, it's buried in your mulch. All right, Here's uh, this is great, Skeet. I love this. Uh, if you can't read what, what each of those says, if you look at the upper left, it says, How My Friends Think It Should Look. The middle in the top is How My Parents Think It Should Look. Then How My Neighbors Think It Should Look. Then How Society Thinks It Should Look. How I Thought It Should Look. And then the lower right, How It Should Look. <laughs> and uh that is uh every one of them is volcano mulched except the very uh last one on the right. Uh that's yes. Uh that's how it should look. Uh now is this real skeet? Yes.
5: Yeah, that that uh, a client sent that to me. Yes.
3: I want billboards like that in Chicago. Uh I don't, how do, how do we do that? I that I can't even imagine having a billboard that says to mulch of a good thing, save money, save trees, don't volcano mulch. And it's a billboard on top of a building there. I, I'm impressed by that. That's uh that's that- why I saved
5: it and that's why it goes on my mulching file.
3: <laughs> All right. And here's something else you sent to me that I was stunned by Skeet. So explain that I've got two photos. The one this is a far photo and then there's a close up. So what are we looking at here, Skeet?
5: Well, when you say I stun you, you always got me scared of what picture's coming next. Oh, no. <laughs> <tell you. laughs> no! It's a good. It's a good thing. It's. You, I oh, think you know. A
2: this is the critter photo.
5: This is a critter I, photo. I don't remember what I sent you, so thanks. Uh, that that is a uh, um, uh, uh, HOA uh, homeowner association common ground, and that is a um, uh, large. Uh, retention pond and a cottonwood tree, um, multi-stem, dual-stem. Um, and at the base of the tree, um, you're going to see something that gets very exciting really quick. And that's beaver damage. uh Yeah. And when people ask, why do we have a certified arborist as part of our HOA and can't the landscaper do anything? well. Um, the beaver started that, and you can see the the ground up chips. And uh, one of our technicians found that uh, while they were out there treating trees, wow. and sent me those pictures. Those those are not from me. Those are from our technician that care about the trees and and knew this is potentially dangerous to residents. And you look for that one lead. If that one lead fails, where is that one lead going to go? Uh, and that's common so this ground. The whole- that- does the, the so, <laughs> Does the whole tree need to come out? Does
2: the whole tree come out or just
5: that lead? Just a, I'm sorry, Peggy. Just a one lead um, would come out at this point and then a reevaluation. Uh, we've got included bark in there. It, it's, not, it's not the most ideal situation, though, the other lead would go towards the water. Um, mm-hmm. That is something that uh, is a, uh, a, a need to do. That is not a let's think about this in the future
3: that is just i i, I saw that niche as i said it blew me away um the yeah. idea that a beaver can do that i i i kind of assumed that beavers work on smaller diameter trees smaller caliber um uh, but sure. uh, and one of our uh, viewers just said good dental work uh yeah that will yeah. you you'd got to have good dental work to to chew through like that i i was just uh amazed. Now, Megan, I guess I'll ask you, have you seen that kind of damage out east? Uh, uh, I would think you you have.
4: I have not, actually. um, Not a lot of water where I was in Philadelphia, um, so we didn't run into any beavers. I have heard that there is beaver damage up uh, in a lot of areas in Connecticut, but I haven't personally seen it yet.
3: I have a feeling you will. Um, <laughs> all right uh, Peggy was there something you wanted to bring up be- before we get out of here
2: oh I was just going to ask um, but it's, it's probably not a lot of time here because we've had all the rain and the, the heat and the warmth um, what can we expect on, on trees and shrubs um, galls fungus what are we going to be seeing
5: good question um, we're going to see some tattered leaves which are the brown margins are gonna look a little burnt as they first started to emerge and they haven't hardened off yet. So um, they're, a little, they're a little tender. So we're gonna see a lot of deformed leaves. Uh, the, the bigger challenge is with the heat that's come up, You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about um, growing degree days. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the pest and disease uh, we, we measure by growing degree days. That's been very accelerated over the last four, five days with the heat. So our plant health care crews uh, are, are going to be, um, it's just getting a little exciting to uh, get on out there and get the right timing to get the applications done. Uh, there, there was a long Saturday yesterday with the crews work. And so kudos to them um, to, to take care of our clients at the right time of the year. And that, that's what that's what we're committed to doing and
3: and for folks who don't know when we're talking growing degree days it's it's the cum the accumulated degrees over the course of a year which determine when insects appear when when various uh uh does that uh account for diseases as well
5: correct yeah Yeah. you're you're right
3: on it mike okay and uh what i would suspect uh, given the rain and the coolness we had for such a, a long time is that uh, we're going to see some anthracnose because uh, I have a, a hybrid elm out front that gets it like clockwork every year. Um, I I would love to girdle that tree, but shh, don't tell the city. Um, but there's I'm not going to. Um, but every year it's the anthracnose is a is a, a fungal disease it, it happens on the leaves the leaves curl up it doesn't kill the tree it's unsightly and then everything falls down and then I got to clean all that up and sometimes the tree will releaf but it gets it every year it's like those crab apples that people have in their backyard they get apple scab and uh I always tell people that there's a there's a pruning technique that will get rid of your apple scab one cut <laughs> And uh, we get uh, Megan out there with her, with her pink husk varna. We could take care of that crab apple rather than have to treat it every year for apple scab. Um, but uh, it, it's my and, 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 and people think I'm kidding uh, with the advances made with crab apples uh, that are disease resistant. Um, and there's so many varieties now and they grow so fast in five years if you cut down your crab this year you put in a disease resistant variety in five years you're going to say what took me so long to do that that has been my experience with it now i know grandma planted the crab <laughs> and you don't want to kill the crab that grandma planted i get that but grandma had that
2: that's your pruning technique for calorie pears, too right
3: yeah one cut i have to tell you i was out driving on the south side of chicago uh they're everywhere uh, they're everywhere and i was watching them in the forest preserves and and along the mainly along the freeway side of the roads calorie pears were blooming everywhere and i know they weren't planted there um please don't buy a calorie player there's a
2: couple of areas i've passed where it's you know someone's property but it's empty and it's just this tree that tree and then calorie pears throughout little little small ones and they're all blooming like crazy
3: are you seeing that on the east coast as well megan
4: yeah, we have a lot of pears here. A couple streets over from my apartment, there is a whole street line of calorie pears. So seeing them bloom. But I think uh, South Carolina actually just outlawed the planting of, of pears. I believe
3: they did. I think you're right. Yeah, and yeah. Other, other states will follow suit. I mean, it's like in some states, you can't plant um, a butterfly bush because uh, it'll take over. Um, I think New Zealand has banned butterfly bush because uh, it's at that warm, moist... Climate and they love it. I, if you go to London, I went to London 15 years ago, and saw butterfly bushes growing out the uh, the cracks of buildings. You know, hmm. eight, eight feet off the ground, and you would go, "Oh, that's a that's a plant that needs to be addressed here." Okay, I get it. Uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, Skeet and Megan. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciated, uh, Megan, you got any final words before we let you go? I know Skeet's going to, Skeet, you know, he's going to be back here, uh, at some point, but, uh, I was just wondering if you have anything you'd like to say.
4: No, I I had a great time today. Thanks so much for having me. I'd love to come back again and and keep expanding on some of the topics, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, most importantly, if there's any women interested, uh, in the industry that are listening or any young uh, kids getting out of college, getting out of high school that are interested, just start doing it, start learning and uh, your career can go some pretty cool places.
3: Right. And of course we should mention that you can go to Bartlett.com. If you want more information uh, or if you need tree care, uh, four-year yard and uh, there are four locations in the Chicago area but as Skeet mentioned they're all over the country in a lot of different areas of the country and internationally um, and uh, expanding all the time. So uh, Megan Kosensky, uh, Skeet, thank you guys both for being on the show. You have a wonderful Sunday. Let's hope we get our temperatures back kind of reasonably normal I'd, you know 70s i'd like to see wouldn't it be nice to just see some 70s for a while it'd be cool
2: Skeet, can you, can you order that up for mike please skeet
5: i i i'll put on my things to do list yes. <laughs>
3: yeah well we we don't have DeMio here today so uh, you're gonna have to take care of that all right both of you guys uh, have a great sunday and uh and i hope we talk real soon it's the mike novak show with peggy Malecki. we're talking about uh dive heart when we come back so stick around
1: Hi, I'm Vic Nakashima with Bartlett Tree Experts, and I want to talk to you about ticks and what you can do about them. Now imagine you're getting ready to go for a nice hike in the woods. If you're concerned about encountering ticks, then you can take measures of personal protection. Things like clothing, repellent, and thorough checks afterwards. But let's say you're at your home, in your own yard, in your very own space. If you're concerned about encountering ticks here, Well, there's a bit more that you can do. You could take an integrated approach, and we can help. So what do I mean by an integrated approach? It means focusing on all the ways you can make your landscape a far less favorable habitat for ticks. A good place to start is to look at your mouse and rodent population. Stacked firewood and brush piles are typical nesting areas for mice, and it is here that a tick in its early stages of life will attempt to find a host. In fact, it is from mice that the bacterium that causes Lyme disease is transmitted to the deer tick. So brush piles should be removed and if possible firewood should be stacked in a different location from where you spend a lot of your time in your yard. Ticks crawl up on high vegetation like tall grasses or the borders of a woods edge and there they wait for a person or a pet to brush up against them. To keep this from happening we can prune these low branches to raise the canopy and remove some of the understory brush. We can also lay wood chips or mulch along this border to create a tick barrier. Another effective way we can help control your tick population is by applying treatments directly to areas where they are likely to be found, and to those areas where you, your family, and pets are most likely to come in contact with them. Deer are also a critical component of the Lyme disease life cycle, both as a physical carrier of ticks and as hosts of the pathogen. Therefore, an integral part of tick management is deer management which is also a service we can provide. So if you're concerned about ticks in your landscape, allow us to provide you with tick management techniques that really work.
0: Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a sipson of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Barklet.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
3: All I need is good food to eat. and Make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, rooted bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me. Music, porches, lingerie. Give me all that I can take. And welcome back. Whoop, let's uh, adjust that screen. Yeah, we're all headroom there. Headroom. (laughs) Um, Welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. You can see in the center of our screen, our screen, uh, Tina Marie Hernandez. Uh, She is the executive director of DiveHeart.org. Tina Marie, good morning.
2: Good morning to you. Hi, Peggy. Hi, we last saw you, if, if my records are correct, the um, first day of summer in twenty twenty.
0: I know, right? It's um, two years.
3: Uh it That's has great.
0: We all survived.
3: Uh kinda, yeah. No, we're all we're all doing the best we can, you know, to, to get by here. And uh um we uh we had you on the first time because this was just before the pandemic. I mean I mean literally a week or two before everything got shut down uh, February
2: 29th 2020 is is when we
3: were at the uh that was the um uh where was that Columbia College Columbia
2: College in Chicago right
3: Right. it was a green event film event right and uh, we had a table there Peggy and I had a table there you had a table there and Jim Elliott who is the founder of Dive Heart who I worked with um, at uh gargantua radio down the dial, sometimes uh known as uh w g n you know the place where there's like twenty dollar bills on the floor when you walk in, you just scoop them up and um but um uh he and I had worked there yeah like twenty five years ago a
2: while ago
3: yeah <laughs> right a long time ago and uh and we got to talk, and he said, you know you need to know about my organization and um, uh, I said, "Well, you know, what is it?" And he said, "Well, it's a it's a volunteer organization that um, that helps build confidence and independence in uh disabled people uh by teaching them how to scuba dive." I'm like, "Wow, that's that sounds pretty cool." So we brought you guys on the show and talked about it. And in fact, those of you who are watching the show who are regular uh viewers uh, see the uh commercial uh that we play on the show uh on uh, pretty much on a uh a regular basis here as a matter of fact um i've got it right here and you'll get you'll it, you'll know what i'm talking about when you see this
1: time to win our hearts all in let's, let's let, the let
3: the fun begin. begin all right let's let the fun begin uh so uh we we play that uh because it you know it's not necessarily uh an environmental organization but it's a great organization uh mm-hmm. tina and uh and uh we're, we're happy to uh to help out so now a uh, couple years. Well, tell us about what's been going on since we had you on, on the show. It, it was, it was kind of slow for you guys during the pandemic as well, wasn't it?
0: Uh, it's all perspective.
3: But yeah, <laughs> we,
0: we did a lot of uh, land projects because we were not able to do our pool programs during the pandemic. Uh, we canceled 200 pool programs and 11 trips that we had had planned. Um, you know, 2020 was going to be our biggest year yet. And then uh, the world decided something else. Mm -hmm. So um, what we did instead is we revamped our uh, website and we redid our media kit and we did all sorts of projects and we really reached out to the community. So we were out every weekend at the Farmer's Market in Downers Grove. We did everything we could so that people wouldn't forget that we're going to be there uh, when this is all over. And we made true on our promise. And last December, we did our first trip uh, to Cozumel after two years, exactly almost. And last September and October, we started our pool programs again. So we just finished our first season back uh, last week. So Mm -hmm. uh, our second Cozumel trip was on its way. So I was filling in doing some of the lead work there.
3: And uh, you also came up with that theme, uh, in the, uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, for, uh, for Oh, the song. Out. Yes. The song. Yeah. yeah. We
0: wrote, we, uh, reached out. So one of the great things about Jim's, uh, previous life is <laughs> when he was in the media business was that he met wonderful, awesome people like yourself. And it's always, um, giving back to us now when we're trying to promote dive heart mm-hmm. and get the word out for people so that we can help, uh, more people than than we could ever meet on our own. So um, we had met someone who was a Grammy-nominated songwriter, and they helped us create that song in the video. So we're very grateful about that.
3: Well, I have to I have to tell you, it's an earworm. Uh, once you, <laughs> once you hear it, yeah, it it and it does. Be, now, of course, I see it all the time because as I'm putting the show together, I'm yeah. I'm I'm hearing it over and over again. But uh, uh, it it will dive. Speaking of dive, it'll dive right in there and it'll stay in my brain. But it's okay because it's catchy and it's a lot of fun. It's very upbeat. I like it.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things we asked for. We said we yeah. wanted something inspirational because that's what we feel our adaptive divers do for all of us and our buddies. It's about inspiring each other to um, embrace life, to live the best life that we can, and to help others do the same.
2: Now, so what what is your main... For people who haven't read the blog or gone to your website yet, what is your main mission and who do you work specifically with? So,
0: what we do is we serve people with disabilities, and it's cognitive, physical. Um, We work with them and try and help instill, like you said, my confidence, independence, self esteem. Uh, Some people experience uh, relief of pain, uh, both emotionally and physically. And we offer pool programs to them uh, free of charge, and they can come back as much as they need to or want to. And then we also offer training. So we train people who want to assist others in the water as well as the adaptive divers themselves. We are a training agency since 2014, so our niche uh, certifications are adaptive. So we, mm-hmm. we Wait, train you say t- and
3: training, who do, who do you train? Uh, the divers? So we
0: train the adaptive diver. We train, we, you know, we... We will certify an adaptive diver and the way our certifications go is it's based on the type of team they need, so based on the amount of assistance they might require. And it's nice because it can go, um, it can increase and decrease. So uh, if you start out and you need more assistance, but maybe as you get to be a better diver, you might need less assistance. We can adjust the certification and the team that you require, whereas if maybe you mm-hmm. have a degenerative um, condition, you can also go from leading, needing less assistance to more assistance. And then we also train the people who would be with you in the water and how to um, work with various types of conditions um, be able to use the different gear that we might implement um, to help someone in the water so we have an adaptive buddy an advanced adaptive buddy and then instructor instructor trainer and so forth so we do all those types of certifications
3: so how do you determine who gets to do this you said it's free is that right it is well, uh, okay, tri- well.
0: Trips aren't free, but no. any pool program is free. Okay, it's and, really okay when you say pool person. program.
3: We say pool program. That's different from the trip where you go uh, in in diving, diving in out. Cozumel. Cozumel, right? Correct. But a but a pool program is that where you teach people how to dive?
0: We call them Dive Heart Scuba Experiences because. One of the big tenets about Dive Heart is challenge by choice. So we're not looking to sell you anything necessarily. So if you want to come to our pool programs and you have no desire to get certified, you're like, Tina, I love it. I love the experience I have, but I just need to know enough to have enjoyment and relief here in the pool. That's fine with us. If you want to go on a trip or want to get certified, then we will fi- will pair you with an instructor, and they can get you certified as an adaptive diver. So it's it's not quite. Yes, you're learning stuff when you're at pool programs, but it's not technically a certified training session, if that makes sense.
3: Okay. So my question to you then is, uh, if if you do the pool programs, what's to keep everybody? In the world, from from coming, how do you, you must have uh, some sort of criteria that people need to have to be part of this.
0: Well, you have to find us.
3: <laughs> yes, so that's, that's why
0: we do a lot of this outreach and education, is what mm-hmm. we call it, because that's really the the primary place we need to let people know this is an opportunity. Um, we definitely right now have more demand than we can. Um, use, you know, that we can fulfill. So we're constantly Mm -hmm. trying. This summer, I am on a quest to get more adaptive buddies trained so that we can um, really meet more of the demand come the fall when our our season starts again. We do kind of a calendar year of a school year because we don't have our own pool yet, but we Borrow pools. So we yeah. borrow the pool up in Milwaukee at the university and we borrow a pool down in Oak Lawn at the high school. So we try to get as many pools as we can partner. Sometimes we partner with special rec associations. Sometimes we partner with other local community pools, but then we have to get the staff yeah. to help the people in the water. So as far as an adaptive diver, they can, um, contact us through info at diveheart.org. Then there's a set of paperwork they need to fill out. They need to talk to their doctor. We're not doctors ourselves, so we want them to talk to their doctors, let them know this is something they want to try. And if the doctor feels like they are capable of being able to go underwater, even if it's just to 12 feet, then um, they can come to a session. So some of the challenges are, how do I get there? and my doctor is afraid that I can't do this. So we actually work with doctors sometimes and let them talk to other professional uh, doctors that are more knowledgeable about scuba diving, mm-hmm. and they can talk to each other and in and, and their doctor way and, and share the information that they need so that um, someone might be able to get in the water with us that they thought they couldn't at first.
3: Well, having... All right, and we'll get to the film in a second, but having seen... Um, having talked to you before and seen videos mm-hmm. of what you're doing and photos and then this film uh, documentary, which is going to be, uh, premiering on Wednesday. Um, I'm amazed at the different kinds of people. So at, at some point, because you've been doing this, what, since 2001, right? Right. We're 22, right.
0: 21 this year, 21. Wow. wow. All right.
3: Congratulations. Give them a, I did. Ta- there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I'm not going to say, you know, better than doctors, but you also know that, uh, people who might not think they're capable of this are actually capable of this. And so I imagine you're always, you know, when you're talking to doctors, you're saying, I think they can handle this. Um, and, uh, I, I can, I can see where, uh, some doctors might be cautious about it, but, you have yeah. the experience of having watched people get in the water who are amputees, uh, who are uh, uh, paralyzed. Plagraphy. Right. Uh, people who um, uh, have degenerative diseases, um, which we see in the film, um, on and on. So you have the kind of experience that even the doctors do not have.
0: I, I think um, where that comes to more into play is someone who might be like, What we get sometimes is people on the autism spectrum or people with Down syndrome, um, if it's a cognitive thing, I've had teachers and stuff say, well, they're never going to pay enough attention to you. They're not going to be able to do that. Whereas when we're working with a person, we have um, experienced where their focus is right there on us. And I actually have some testimonials from parents that said, the focus that they're putting into diving with us, because the parents would be like, if you don't pay attention to Tina Marie and, and Jim in the water, then you're not gonna be able to go down under the water. That yeah. that has translated then into their schoolwork or into other aspects of their life outside of the water. That concentration, that focus that they're able to do with us or or build with yeah. us, then translates to something else. Now as far as and physical the success people, they like, right,
2: the right, successfully
0: they see that that focus and being able to build that type of focus with us then translates, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, sometimes because we're not medical doctors, we don't know that there might be a condition underneath, maybe some pressure-related <laughs> item or things like that. That's where I really want those doctors to understand yeah. and talk to the, you know, the other um, scuba Related doctors, so that they really know someone's going to be safe. Safety is a paramount thing. I'm the risk officer at the company, so I'm always like, "We got to make sure that's okay." Um,
3: And what I'm amazed by is 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 how you know you're talking about uh, the autism uh, and how it, it, it expands to the rest of their lives, but also the physical benefits of doing this for people who are in constant pain sometimes it relieves it uh, in the film it talks about up to two weeks that they yes. they, yeah. they, they lose this so they're off of the meds for uh, for some time and this is a, a kind of relief that most of us will never understand um um and and other uh benefits of being in that kind of pressure underwater which is not a, a negative pressure but a positive pressure on the body correct
0: the gravity is yes. different
2: at yeah.
3: that point.
0: Right. So you get a, 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 as you go down, pressure increases as you go down in the water column. And um, it really does seem to be, it holds you up in one case. Other ways it kind of gives you a hug. It gives people, um, I think that's part of the Zen moment that a lot of people, a lot of divers have while they're underwater. And it does help. We are always encouraging more and more, doctors, researchers to do the research, because um, mm. what we're finding anecdotally, we would love to be able to see and more papers that can come out, because that's how yeah. we're going to get more um, doctors who are do- prescribing medication. I mean, can you imagine if you could do a nice, maybe you don't get to get off the medication, but you're able to adjust it to a point where the person's quality of life is improved? That's what we're about. We're not going to cure anyone, but we want to improve your quality of life if we can.
3: Uh, all right. So that-
0: Tina, you know, as as you've seen um, more adaptive programs
2: out there, uh, Special Olympics gets more attention. You know, I'm even a few years ago, I was helping a little. I, I wasn't personally involved, but um, indirectly involved with adaptive sailing programs. Is it getting more attention
0: from the medical community of the benefits? You know, this past, in 2021, we were shocked that five um, occupational therapy doctoral students reached out to us and said, we'd like to either do research with you, do our um, capstone project with you, or do our um, required, um, uh, what is it, like internship with you. So these five people came out to us and they did some amazing work. We were able to do our symposium around, we did one day that focused specifically on occupational therapy. We did another day that focused uh, specifically on recreational therapy. And um, those are up on our YouTube page if anyone wants to go see it. Uh, But they were awesome conversations and really good insight. So now what one of the um, doctoral candidates helped us do is we created a one hour presentation for physical therapists, recreational therapists and occupational therapists, and we're able to deliver those for continuing education program, you know, Ooh. credits for those professionals. And this is really a passion for me because this is the way I feel we're going to be able to get into those areas, um, hopefully catch a lot of the younger professionals uh, as they enter their practices and really see that this would become more of a common thing versus an exception thing. All um, right. And we're, we're working on programs to, to make that even um, a, an easier way for that to make that happen.
3: All right, which takes us to Dive Heart, the movie. Um, <laughs> and, and here's what I'm going to do. Rather than ask you to explain it, I'm going to play the film trailer because it explains it um, as well the, uh, as, uh, as anything could. And then we
6: can talk about it when we come back. thought I was doing everything right. I married young and we had three kids by the time I was 30. Fast forward many years and then I turned 50. I always figured by now I'd be rich my kids would be grown and my wife and I would be on our way to retirement but that isn't what happened. I went bankrupt. We went through a divorce and our oldest son was addicted to opiates. I was depressed and I had felt like I had failed. So I decided to get away with my best friend Scott, who just so happens to be my brother, and go on a scuba diving trip. Now on this trip, I met this guy named Jim and he takes people who are wheelchair users scuba diving. It's called adaptive diving. When they get under the water, they have this astronaut moment and they feel that sense of freedom and independence. And I thought, I need a life-changing experience right now. So I called him and I said, hey, let's make a documentary about adaptive divers." Then life did what life does. It gave me a challenge to overcome. Seven days before the trip, my 27-year-old son died of a drug overdose. After some conversation, my family and I decided that I should still go and we'd have the funeral after I got back. So I went on this trip to be of service and to tell a story. And I invite you to join me and see what happens, and watch as I try to heal my heart and go on my soul's journey. My name is David Marsh. And
3: I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you are. Um,
0: Congratulations.
3: Um, and oh, the- thank you. Yeah, it's uh, and I wish we could show more because uh, I want to suck people in even more uh, to the film. When you meet the people who are on this uh, adventure, uh, which is Cozumel, in December, which was the first time you had gone out in in a couple of years, uh, and then earlier you had run into this filmmaker, uh, and of course uh, Jim Elliott being Jim Elliott, um, made the most of it. Sucked uh, him right in. Sucked him right in. I mean, Jim is just like no, nothing happens by accident, and uh, and he made it happen. They, you know, there are people in the world who are really, really good at that. I'm not right. one of those people, but uh, Jim Elliott is. Um, and so uh, Marsh is uh, is is on this uh, trip with you, and he's shooting the whole thing, and you know, he's getting his life together, and these other people are getting their lives together, and it's really quite a moving documentary um and just so folks know i've got the links you first of all you can go to diveheart.org and find mm-hmm. all that information but you can also go to my website mikenovak.net in my blog post um it's called adapting to dive that you can click on the link um it premieres this wednesday 6:30 p.m. uh at classic cinemas tivoli theater 50, 5 uh, 5021 highland avenue in downers grove illinois um <laughs> and uh that's for peggy uh and uh you can you can be part of this uh there's still tickets available aren't there
0: there are tickets available um it's a beautiful classic theater it holds a thousand people wow. and so please come bring your friends uh it's going to be a really nice night uh, a lot of the people in the movie are coming to see it so they're going to oh, be really? there at the Yes, the filmmaker and his brother are both coming, and we'll have a question and answer after playing mm-hmm. the um, film. And then, uh, because I like to share, share the glory, um, there were a couple pieces that were made before the film. And... Uh, At 6.30, the doors open, but then at 7, we're going to show those two pieces. And one piece, which is kind of my favorite uh, up to now, is a piece that was done by three local high school students. At the time, they were in high school. Now, they're probably almost graduating college. But two of the girls are going to be there, and they're going to be able to see their piece uh, up on the big screen for the first time. And so I'm very excited about that as well.
3: Are you going to interview any of the, uh, the folks who are in the film afterward? Is there, is there any kind of, uh, uh, session Q and a session?
0: I, well, they're going to be there. And so again, kind of challenged by choice. If anybody wants to come up and make comments and things like that, there's going to be a lot of mixing and mingling. Uh, we'll have, uh, you know, dive heart swag and dive heart, you know, people I'm sure are all going to be just talking the whole evening. Um, and getting to know each other and getting to know some of these people. They're just all incredible people, the, the volunteers, as well as the adaptive divers.
3: You know, this was a uh, shot in December and it's May. Um, that's actually kind of a quick turnaround, isn't it? Uh, he's amazing. <laughs> 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 he,
0: um, he has a lot of different interests and he really wanted to get it out um, before, you know, life got too busy and, and sweeps you away into the next project. So we, we met him just in September and then he was willing to come in December. And then we shot, he shot, I think, 10 hours of film. So can you imagine that he took from 10 hours down to one, um, but mm-hmm. he was generous and shared a lot. So we might be producing other things off of this, uh, the film that he captured then. And um, yeah. we're, we're very, very pleased with the outcome. I was lucky enough to, be able to give input to the creation of this piece and, uh, help David, uh, navigate, you know, what he wanted to say in the film. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I will tell people that, uh, you, you'll be moved by this, um, and you're going to learn a ton about it. What, what would you say? Great
0: turtle too oh yeah <laughs> the, the infamous turtle
3: <laughs> the, the infamous turtle but there's also sharks and there's there's uh an octopus uh in there um and an octopus's garden uh which uh you guys there is. <laughs> visit um what um, in terms of uh th- that trip being special since it was the first one um since you came back uh for after a couple of years and then having a a a fellow documenting it on film um that had to have been not only special but put a lot of pressure on you i i would think
0: um i guess well for jim you know he lives he lives for this so he's you know always calm um I get a little nervous, Nelly. I'm used to being in the background and not being up front. So when David would be like, all right, Tina, tell me about what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen? You know, it be like, oh, I don't know what to say. We're going to be diving. Um, <laughs> but everybody did such a good job. They shared very um, emotional pieces of themselves, I think, sometimes. I've seen it three times, and I have yet to get through it without shedding a tear myself. And it's a good shedding a tear not i'm not sad for anybody it's just um one of those moments where you're just so happy to see how people are able to embrace life and and the attitudes that they bring and the inspiration you get from having people that are so positive positive.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: and they are and those stories uh they they are from the heart um i mean they nobody shies away from what they're experiencing, whether they have ALS or whether they uh, are uh, a paraplegic, uh, and they describe the accident in, in almost sort of a man uh matter of fact way it, it's like well this was uh, this happened to me, and now this is who I am today um,
2: right yeah there's one woman who talks about her stroke in there
0: mm-hmm. well. and, and and that's what's so awesome about what we do. Um, you know, some people are like, "Oh, you're like Make a Wish." I'm like, "Yeah, but every month." <laughs> um, and, and, and some and people get to, to come, to,
3: and people get to come back too. It's not like Make a Wish that happens right. once once in your life. You get to come back if if this is good for you and healthy for you. You can say, "Oh, I need to do this again." Correct?
0: Right. And and you know, I don't want to discourage people from saying, "Oh, I'll never be able to go on a trip." We actually fundraise with people. So there's a young man um, who's coming on a December trip and he's already raised um, all the money he needs to be able to come on this trip and he really can't wait to be on the trip. So we do a lot of fundraising for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hosting the first Women of Dive Heart trip in October and I've been busy raising money for that because I want um, all these special ladies to be able to come and be able to share, um, you know, how how there's also um, a very strong amount of women that support mm-hmm. Dive Heart and are a part of it.
3: It looks like that's our theme for, you know, we uh, earlier on, we talked to yeah. about women, women in our boriculture, and now it's the, the women of Dive Heart. Uh, and so Just let's a, make a the video
2: women of Dive Heart short video up on YouTube as well. Um, yes,
0: yes, that was part of my, I was like, gosh, I, and that was part of David's footage that he helped share with me because I was telling him what I wanted to do.
3: Fantastic. Well, and, and let's make clear, if uh, you can be part of Dive Heart and for free go into the pool um, locally, uh, but if you want to go on these trips, it costs money and you can fundraise for it Or and, and apparently you guys will help if you possibly can
0: we do, we, we help as much as we can. Um, we just, you know, we want it to be a partnership. Partnerships are big with us. You know, we're partnering with our adaptive divers. We partner with the people who make donations, with our volunteers, uh, with the business communities. And, you know, I'm really excited that there's so many people coming into our hometown at Donnersgrove. Grove. Uh, Donner's Grove has been, you know, the, com- the community has been very supportive of Dive Heart through the 21 years. Uh, Jim grew up in Downers Grove, so it's very near and dear to his heart. And I'm really excited to be able to share that with um, the people that are coming into town. We have people as far as the Galapagos are coming. Um, wow. And then we have people who are coming from Hawaii, people coming from Honduras, um, who were part of that team that was there in December. But I'm really excited that they they feel uh, connected to us enough where they want to come celebrate with us.
3: You know the famous joke... From Emo Phillips about Downers Grove, don't you?
0: I I don't think I, I, don't, do. I, don't, I don't
3: I don't know if it's that famous. I always <laughs> thought it was pretty funny. He said, "Downers Grove." When I was eleven, my folks moved to Downers Grove. When I was twelve, I found them. <laughs> uh, so, oh,
4: Peggy, I didn't Pe- know that. But that Peggy
3: <laughs> does not appreciate my humor ever. So there we go. I thought it was pretty funny. Anyway Is that
0: officially a dad joke? Is uh
3: it, it is probably is. Yeah, it's it's just it's a dumb dad joke. So all right, uh uh Tina Marie, thank you so much. Uh tell that uh, uh Jim Elliott guy that he doesn't get to duck me any longer, okay? That uh next time he, he has to be on the show too.
0: He was he was sad he was gonna miss you, but um he's at a trade show right now, uh you know, getting the word out in California and So I got to talk to you two today, and I'm very, very happy I was. So thank you very much, and I hope we can see uh, some of your viewers, listeners, uh, at the event on Wednesday.
3: Right. Wednesday, May 18th, 6.30 p.m., Classic Cinemas, Tivoli Theater, 5021 Highland Avenue in Downers Grove. Okay. (laughs) All (laughs) right. All right. Uh, Uh yeah, Peggy, we'll we'll think about that one and get back to me later on it. Um <laughs> Tina Marie, thank you so much uh and uh and much luck with uh the uh the documentary. I'm sure that is going to be shown far and wide and it's going to inspire a lot of people.
0: Yeah, we'll be sharing it uh to people who can't come to the event uh I'm sure within the next couple coming weeks. So, yeah. thank you very Great. much.
3: All right, take care. Thank you It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More when we return. Please stick around.
6: Andrew at Urban Greens. Hey, this is Joel. We are an indoor hydroponics farm in the Twin Cities. We grow lettuce, greens, and herbs and deliver them year-round. And for the last year or so, we've been growing with Happy Leaf LEDs. Yeah, before that we were using LED light bars from some of the big guys, Philips, GE. Uh, We ran into Poly a little over a year ago at a market outside Chicago and since then we've been on the Happy Leaf train. And a year in, we are extremely pleased with how they perform for us. We have some rainbow chard here growing, we get excellent growth, the growth is quick, leaves are thick, plants are sturdy, and the Happy Leaf LEDs have worked well across all of our plant varieties. Yeah, we use them for our seedlings as well and that's honestly where we've seen some of the biggest improvements. Seedlings under happy leaf are coming in full and thick, thicker stems than what we've seen under the other lights we've used.
2: From spring seed and soil treatments, to summer foliar feeding, to fall stubble digesters, Blazing Star provides microbial tools from Tinyo biologicals for natural and organic farmers. They have solutions for home gardeners too. And Blazing Star offers agroecological education and consulting, especially for permaculture work in zones four and five. Learn more about these great
0: folks at blazing star.com.
1: The Arctic is warming almost three times faster than the rest of the planet. Changing the Arctic ecosystems forever. Causing destruction around the planet. Once Arctic ice melts, we can't get it back. We can't negotiate the melting point of ice. World leaders must take immediate action to keep one point five alive.
3: And I have something to show you. I have the star of that PSA right here. Wow! Isn't that something? Um, wow! Of course, that's not made of ice, but yeah, uh, nice. I, I, yeah, uh, we collect uh, bears mm-hmm. here. We have a few. I've got a
2: purple one like that.
3: I Do you? Is is it, it. is it yeah. glass? It is uh, stone. Ah, okay. And we got a few others. I know there's another. Wait. Hang on a second. All right, give me two it's seconds. It's not a here. bear.
2: It's right a
6: bison.
2: Be right back. It's a bison. <laughs> <on>. Hey, folks. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, just talk amongst the yourselves. Coffins. Yeah. Oh, here's the bison.
3: Oh, there we go.
2: I know. Let's see. I'm looking at another bison, a wolf, a hedgehog. Oh, here's a bear.
3: Okay. Get a bear. There you go. There's a bear. So we have
2: see it too well Not in front of me.
3: Bears on parade.
2: So i got a cat, an owl, an elephant, a frog, a couple of fish.
3: <laughs> well, I see a dinosaur. Frog. Oh, there's another I, I bear. I collect
2: a lot of these. I, I collect these these stone animals. I've got some great turtles. They're just not here. They're in another room. They're they've snakes. crawled
3: They've crawled off into the pond. They're um, like,
2: they're on all the windows.
3: <laughs> uh, you know, you sent me a text, and that's a great idea because we had a comment about the tick spray that Bartlett mm-hmm. uses. I don't know what they use uh i i i should find out and i can find out from the folks at uh, bartlett tree experts uh, yeah but, but we should but have a
2: tick segment
3: we should do a segment on ticks i think that would be uh very very useful uh and important um yeah so we were, yes we go. were uh
2: going to talk about your little brief plant behind your, your plant behind you briefly oh and well it's, probably, it's the Gardening awards but Look what I just picked before the show here.
3: Is that Lily, Lily of the Valley? Of the
2: Valley. Mm-hmm.
3: I've got them coming up like crazy in my yard. It's time oh, yeah. time for some aggressive maneuvers back there.
2: My dad used to call it Lily of the Alley.
3: Lily of the <laughs> I like that. See?
2: I remember one one year he'd had it up to here and they all I I, I shovels were passed out and we all um
3: And then you passed out.
2: this was when i was a kid yeah Yeah, i mean they're pretty for about a month they're pretty for a week or two and then beyond that they're just invasive
3: oh and by the way uh one thing i didn't get to when skeet was on the show with uh megan kosinski um he's always sending us information from the plant health care report in the home yard and garden pest newsletter the plant health care report is by the morton arboretum And comes out on a regular basis, as does the Home Yard and Garden Pest Newsletter. I've got links to both of those. From U of I. That's from University of Illinois Extension. Um, And you should click on those and get a subscription. Uh, It's free. And they're Mm -hmm. always reporting on different kinds of horticultural issues. um, Insects, diseases, uh, plants, uh, just uh, all kinds of stuff. Um yeah, what
2: to look out for, what's an invasive plant, what's what's a plant disease that okay, it looks ugly, but there's really no you know, it's not gonna hurt the plant. It just looks weird. Yeah. Versus versus this is a problem.
3: Yeah. And uh I was looking at the uh I hope I can find it. It was in the home yard and garden pest. Uh let's go let's go to that says the Yeah, they had the
0: galls
2: in it this week
3: yeah and there was also okay they've got crane fly larvae and turf grass okay boxwood leaf miner Mm
2: -hmm.
3: calorie pear easily noticeable in bloom and threatening yes as we mentioned um but there was something that uh oh i thought maybe it wasn't in this one maybe it was in because it was the um uh the plant that grows in your yard that you can't get rid of the, the little white flowers the um and i can't remember yes. the name
2: star of bethlehem
3: star of bethlehem i don't know if it was in that one or everywhere in the, the plant health care report it might have been in the plant health care report um yeah it, they're they,
2: all starting they, to bloom right now too
3: are they and they have issues on how to deal uh or rather advice on how to deal with that um Let's see if it's here. Yeah, because
2: even when you try to dig it, there's so many hundreds of bulblets. You leave one behind and...
3: Yep. So maybe it was the the last one. Real quick, I'm just going through the plant health care. Because I know somebody did something on it really recently. Uh, Survey says... So for someone
2: who's not familiar with it, it looks like very wide leaf chives popping up all over your garden you're yeah. long, yeah. you're popping through the driveway through everything else.
3: I can't and they're I, just I can't. everywhere. Yeah. So uh, those, I advise you uh, to to subscribe to those. Go to my blog, the blog on my website at net and uh, scroll down uh, where it says, and skeet too. Uh, and they're right under that, in that paragraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show uh, that uh, Monty... The piping plover uh, from uh, Montrose Beach uh, has passed on the headline.
2: uh, And very suddenly, too.
3: Yeah. Monty, the piping plover is dead. Birding community stunned and mourning. Patty Wetley wrote this uh, in in WTTW News. And I have to uh, just uh, give her a shout out because she's doing, I think, some of the best science and nature reporting in Chicago right now overall, covering... Uh, various issues. She seems to at least uh, strike a chord in me and, mm-hmm. and the kinds of stuff she covers. Um, it said uh, the cause of death is is unknown, uh, but Plover Monitor said it was not due to predation. Uh, they typically live fewer than five years and Madi hatched in 2017, so do the math. Um, it's... It says, uh, Leslie Bourne's longtime steward at Montrose Beach Dune was at the beach Friday and arrived at the scene minutes after Monty died. She spoke with plover monitor Daniela Herrera who had been keeping an eye on Monty and witnessed his final moments seeing him fall over a number of times in the Dune habitat preparing appearing to gasp for air. And she was so smart, she uh, uh, immediately... Uh, had the presence of mind to get some ice from the nearby Montrose Dock um, and uh, collect uh, and transport Maddie's body to uh, the Lincoln Park Zoo Zoo. for testing. So they'll find out what the exact cause of death was. So uh, that's sad. And of course, Rose has not returned. And it's quite possible she never will. Uh, Again, uh, Plover's it's interesting cuz many birds uh live a long time it's you know mm-hmm. not uh unusual to hear parrots um living for decades uh yeah. they, it was interesting cuz i thought you know my parents had a a parrot and, um <laughs> they unfortunately it, oh boy they took it outside on the back porch and then the neighbors came out and made a loud noise and the parrot flew away and that was the end of that uh so why they didn't have it, who knows, know, in, in, in who some knows? container or, or a cage of some kind, it was just, uh, oh well. Uh, but, you know, I was afraid that the parrot was yeah. going to outlive them. Um, and it may still.
2: Well, well, as as we talked about when the show started, and um, as a lot of people commenting, including Patty at the end of the article, um, she was interviewing Bob Dolgan or, or commented on on Bob's posts on, on social media that two little birds brought huge attention to the environment, to the lakefront, to the importance of coastal dunes, coastal habitat. Um, even, you know, I, I think for the Chicago birding community and in general during the pandemic, they, they brought joy.
3: Yeah. It, and it, that
2: uh, you know, and and people it, are now looking at at co- more people are now aware of some of the issues of coastal habitat as a result.
3: Yeah, and uh, it, they uh, the coastal habitat and just nature in general. It was mm-hmm. um, a way of uh, people connecting um, and anthropomars, anthrop, anthropomorphizing anthrop anthropomorphizing anthropomorphizing. Thank you whatever uh unfortunately because uh the birds are 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 not human beings but uh you know we like that we like stories and that was a good story yeah.
2: yeah, it was a feel-good story and and that you know, the awareness that it the beaches nature is not just for the people there but it's for the uh for all of wildlife that's there
3: yeah, yeah. um So we'll see what happens next. We'll find out uh, why Monty died and, you know, see if Rose uh, ever returns. Uh, We don't know. Um, Second story on our list here, and again, if you go to the blog post, uh, I've listed a a bunch of these stories. Um, The uh, Haboob derecho by any name, Plains Dust Storm was strong. This was a dust storm that happened on the plains and never got to Chicago because it. This, you could see the circulation on the map. It's a shame we don't have Rick DeMaio here because he would have sent me all kinds of maps mm. about it, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it, by the it, way, Rick,
2: Rick will be back in June.
3: Um, maybe. Wondering we'll see. where he is. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if he shows up. Um, but you could see the circulation. Of it. And then it went north, it went into Canada. It didn't come our way, which is unusual. Uh, but one it's of the. Th- picked up dust. <laughs> Yeah. And here's a photo by, uh, Corey Jennings. Uh, I'm not even sure where I picked this up on Twitter or, or someplace that is terrifying. This was the dust storm. Uh, and I think this might've been North Dakota. Um, that is terrifying. And here is, um, um, a video of it. Oh, whoops. Let's not do that. Hold on back, 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 back. Uh, Here's the video of it. You might find terrifying as well. This is the storm rolling in, and nobody wants to see that coming their way. And then, of course, darkness descends. Mm-hmm. Now, if that, and I'll, I'll play that back. It
2: was, for Rapid. it was headed for Rapid City, in part, wasn't it?
3: I thought it was uh, east or uh, west. Yeah, east of that, but I don't know. But um, if that kind of thing, or this kind of thing, looks familiar, some of you might remember photos like this from the Dust Bowl, and I want to thank Kathleen for getting me several photos of these archival photos. Um, This is what we dealt with in in the 30s, in in the middle of the country, Um, and it reminded me of that storm. When I, when I saw that storm rising up, I thought, "Holy smoke, this looks like these photos from the Dust Bowl, Oklahoma
2: uh, and Nebraska."
3: Right, and and so you know, and here we are in 2021. That's a remarkable photo. Well, that is just uh, uh, inc- incredible. So, uh, I thought we should, uh, uh, as a kind of a, a tribute to Rick DeMeo. <laughs> do a, a little bit on that and there was a uh a, a, an article from accuweather about the weather we've had this week the headline chicago was hotter than death valley <laughs> this week as heat waves surge north that ain't good of course we're we we do not get to the kind of temperatures that the death valley
2: and we get the humidity that death valley doesn't get
3: eg- exactly Exactly. Um, that was on Wednesday that uh, we hit a temperature that was higher than uh, the high temperature recorded at Death Valley,
2: stressing a lot of new plants that people had put out already, yeah. and houseplants.
3: And uh, speaking of, uh, we'll get to armadillos in a second, uh, because uh, you've got—I uh, see from your neck of the woods—the uh, patch. Uh, Peggy sent me the story from uh, the patch in Highland Park. I don't know why they had to use the word slimy. Slimy jumping worms, again, wreaking havoc on soil, um, Illinois gardeners.
2: Anything from getting attention to the, the same problem insects have around the world. Ew!
3: Ew, slimy, slimy worms. Well, all worms are slimy. So the jumping worms are not any slimier than any other worm. But uh, it's uh, you know the article says that Illinois residents who have gardens are again being asked to keep an eye out for jumping worms, the earthworms that are capable of jumping a foot into the air. Now I've never seen that. I've seen them writhe on the ground, but but the, but they hey, also. I just
2: forwarded it to you. I
3: don't. I, yeah, but you live in <laughs> Highland Park, so. They, it was uh,
2: actually no. That article was picked up from an Illinois something.
3: Yeah. Article. Um. But uh, One thing
2: and, I was surprised, that article said, if you shop at, at garden centers, you don't have to be concerned.
3: And I don't know why they would say that. Um, I don't know. Because that's, like, hmm. that's how they're getting transported, that kind of thing. Um, in Chicago area, jumping words have been confirmed in Cook, DuPage, McHenry, Kane, and Will counties. Of course, they I'd say once established, jumping words can damage plant roots, lawns, or ornamental gardens. Experts said that once the jumping worms have taken up home in a soil, the soil looks more like coffee grounds. Yes, I've seen it in my own backyard, which makes for less than ideal growing conditions for gardeners. Yes, it strips the soil of nutrients. Uh, And and, and, and interesting, they say this is not sound, the alarm and panic situation, but it is one to keep an eye out for and know about. Chris Evans said, hasn't Chris been on our show? I don't know. I, I know I've seen him speak, I think. Um, it says uh, jumping worms do not disperse very fast on their own. It is a human-aided spread that can be an issue. Well, that's the whole problem is that it's human spread, you know, in pots and on tools. Uh, the eggs can be transported. It's hard to yeah. tell. It's and the same uh, way
2: most of the invasives get spread.
3: We do it. We're, yay, humans, yay. We, we spread them around. So, uh just more on, uh, and they they advise if you find jumping worms in your yard, put them in a plastic bag, let them sit out in the sun, and don't uh, don't flush them down the toilet though, because they'll end up elsewhere. Just telling you, don't do that. Um, one thing that kind of honked me off. All right, let's get to this because we're almost out of time.
2: <laughs> Something honking you off, really? Yeah,
3: yeah, really. Yeah, I know. It's surprising. I'm such a mild mannered wow. guy. I'm such I'm so even tempered. Um, the uh, story on armadillos and other people c- covered it, but the Tribune did. And the armadillos—the uh, headline is: "Armadillos have arrived in Downstate Illinois and are heading north." Yes, you might someday see an armadillo in your backyard. And of course, there's a guy taking a photo of armadillo roadkill.
2: Yeah. Near- why was it pictures of all that you saw in this article was dead armadillos? Or, or or taxidermied.
3: Yep. Stinking to high heaven. Um, Thank you, Logan. Uh Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that the armadillos are moving north. Uh, sure. And it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, are we supposed to be to fear them? Uh, armadillos are cool. Um, I, I don't know how much damage they can you do. Know, like, to...
2: Yeah, I think it was talking about how much damage of digging under under people's decks and ripping up gardens and plants and yards
3: and worse than chipmunks <laughs> I mean I can't imagine anything doing more damage in your yard than the beasts you already have there
2: yeah well uh, the, the 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 point of this article although it was a little bit too <sighs> cute cute's not the words. well all right. I didn't like the way
3: Let me start with. They put it uh, okay. It's under entertainment. That is the section. The doofuses at the Chicago Tribune put it under entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Climate change. That's so funny. Oh, isn't that? That's. It's just a hoot. It's hilarious. We love our climate change, don't we? Come on, you guys.
2: Armadillos marching on in. I think it. It called them bumbling and.
3: All the cutesy words that you can think of. This is what happens when you let. Yeah, uh,
2: I think there was another story a year or two ago that was the same thing where it was just everything was tried to make it cutesy and tried to make it whatever.
3: Well, a lot of the natural world uh, articles uh, are like that. Okay, Um, It's. They you know, anytime you see a story about a bee, it's gonna have the word buzz in it, the buzz about the bees. Um, you know, and it's just um it's it's annoying. It, you know, at a certain point it's like, can we can 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 we let it go? Um and part of the problem is, you know, this is what happens when you turn over your one of the great newspapers in the country to um Alden Global Capital. So just saying uh anyway uh folks you can you can look at that stuff uh we've we've got it there for you to look at um and see what's going on uh in the world and we hope actually that you do that because it's time for us to get out of here wait
2: wait wait wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh, all, all right nope. i machine. can do that
3: i can do that i i have the power
2: they live in the city of chicago and you a garden what do they need to do oh
3: you're right Sorry about that. Here's what they need to do is go to Chicago Gardening, <laughs> Chicago Gardening Awards dot org. As you can see, you can read it right there on that um, and enter your garden in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, we're accepting applications now. They're coming in. Uh, we'll be sending our judges out. And you might get yourself a very cool sign. Have you got your cool sign there? Hold on. No, you don't.
2: And. No, I don't, because it'll fall behind my desk if I try to get it again,
3: <laughs> like you did last time. Okay.
2: And and if you would like to be a judge, you don't have to live in the city of Chicago. We are still accepting a few um, applications for people who would like to help judge this year.
3: And we hope you know something about gardening, if you do that. Well, so that 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 wouldn't hurt. You know, it's 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 something that uh, we might want to do. All right, can we start this again? So anyway, go to chicagogardeningawards.org. We're accepting applications until July 1st, so you got some time. If you haven't figured out because of the cool spring, whether your garden is worthy in your mm-hmm. own mind, I'm sure it looks great. Um,
2: and it can be your community garden, your church garden, your work garden, your... Patio, uh, your, your business,
3: the parkway, a container garden, um, uh, a farm, an urban farm, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to do. A you, rain well, garden. A rain garden. And you might win uh, a rain barrel. Speaking of rain uh, gardens, you might win a rain barrel courtesy of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago and <laughs> a very cool SEGA sign. So now, can we get out of here
2: and away we go
3: uh want to thank uh, everybody who was uh, on the show today of course megan kasensky and skeet from uh, bartlett tree experts oh wait let's yes uh want to thank tina marie hernandez uh from dive heart their premiere is uh other documentary is Wednesday. Go to my website and find out more. I uh, want to thank Kathleen, as always. want to thank uh, Basil, the dog, Lagata the cat, everybody watching. We really appreciate you guys being around. Until next time, go green or
5: Go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.